Welcome to Decisive Point, a U.S. Army War College Press production featuring distinguished authors and contributors who get to the heart of the matter in national security affairs. Decisive Point welcomes Colonel Jason P. Clark, Ph.D., author of U.S. Army Reforms in the Progressive Era, featured in Parameters Spring 2021 issue. Colonel Clark is a U.S. Army strategist and the author of Preparing for War, The Emergence of the Modern U.S. Army, 1815 to 1971. In 1971, our inaugural issue, we published an article by F. Gunter Eich, where he assessed reforms enacted under U.S. Secretary of War Henry L. Stimson during the Progressive Era, which was 1896 to 1916. So for our 50th anniversary, you kindly wrote a retrospective on the article. What I'd like for our listeners is if you could talk about Stimson's reforms in brief and what Eich had to say about them. Yes, absolutely. First off, a little bit of context. Stimson was a Secretary of War twice. A lot of the listeners will probably know him more from his time within uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt's cabinet during World War II, but he also was the Secretary of War from 1911 to 1913 under President Taft. And this is several years after the Root Reforms, which is one of the greatest periods of change within the U.S. Army, led by Secretary of War Elihu Root. And the two critical things for this podcast is that the Root created the War Department General Staff. There hadn't been an operational planning body before for the U.S. Army. And then he also basically kind of renegotiated the relationship between the federal government and the National Guard. Both of these have become very important, but Root left office in 1903. And there was a series of secretaries of war who weren't necessarily all that aggressive in pushing things forward. They were kind of letting this massive amount of change that Root had introduced in the wake of the Spanish-American War kind of come through. The next really activist secretary was Stimson, who came on in 1911. The second big thing that Ike talks about is this geographical and organizational reorganization that Stimson had started off. And once again, this is building on Root's work. As I had mentioned, he kind of renegotiated the terms on which the federal government interacted with the National Guard. Stimson was trying to make a much more total force. We did not have any permanent organization in the U.S. Army larger than a regimental size, and so a colonel-level command, all the way up until this time period under Stimson. And so he reorganized the Army into standing divisions so that that way the same organization that we used to align general officers to units and we used for administration would be the ones that we would march off to in war. So this basically involved in integrating the uh, National Guard into a larger total Army construct. Also, they wanted to reorganize the army into kind of mobilization clusters that were near to the coast and to other places that would be fought over. So this introduced the idea of shutting down a lot of the old frontier posts that were no longer needed for frontier constabulary duty. And there was a lot of congressional friction that went along with this. And so they were successful in reorganizing the army in terms of its unit organization. They had absolutely you know, no luck whatsoever in terms of getting posts shut down. And then the final element that Ike talks about was he was trying to create an Army Reserve. And that is the birth of our modern you know, U.S. Army Reserve, the Federal Reserve, as opposed to the state-based National Guard. A lot of their congressional enemies were able to undermine this to such an extent that in its first year, the U.S. Army Reserve only had 12 soldiers. So no we could put, <laughs> put everybody into a room. And Ike goes a little bit into some of the skullduggery in terms of having really mm-hmm. long periods of enlistment that was, you know, basically a sabotage of Congress so that there would not be a viable federal reserve to, to match that of the National Guard. 
in his article, you said that there were some crucial analytical failings in his assessment. Politics aside, he didn't really take into account the impact of broader society on progressive era military reforms. In Ike's defense, he's factually correct as he lays out his case in these three different fights that went on. So if you were going to write a war college paper today, you would not do wrong if you were to cite Ike because he tells you who the major players are and he talks about all the major events that go into this. What I try to kind of bring out in the, the article a little bit is to me, it, it's incredible that he didn't go further than just that element. And so he essentially treated these conflicts at face value when in fact they were something a little bit deeper. And so to understand that, a little bit of background on the progressive era. It was a period in terms of industrialization, urbanization, a lot of immigration. And so demographics are coming over. This is, you know, the height of, you know, kind of like the Ellis Island era. And so there was some pretty wrenching political, economic, social, cultural change that was going on. Something that we have to kind of understand here is progressive is not the way that we define progressive in, you know, 2021. At this time, Progressives could be from either party. And basically, progressives were those who really wanted to embrace this degree of change and go even further in terms of in, enacting some pretty significant reform to government and politics and, and the military. And so key progressives uh, within the Republican Party were Theodore Roosevelt, Elihu Root, and then also Henry Stimson and Leonard Wood. And so, you know, Wood actually tries to get the uh, Republican nomination for president in 1916. So he's a political as well as a military figure. And they're opposed by uh, conservatives who are unnerved by this degree of change. And the ones who are most important for this story are a faction of Southern Democrats that are pushing back because they do not like a strong regular army. They do not want a strong executive you know, and have traditionally been there for the National Guard. And so they don't want some organization that's buying with it. The incredible thing to me is I'm, you know, reading Ike's article, presumably he's writing most of this in 1970. And so we, if we imagine all that's going on in that period as, you know, we come into the end of, of the 60s and, and start going into the 70s, it's also a period of great political, social, economic and cultural change. So the fact that he didn't necessarily tie these three fights over the general staff and the organized reserve and the reorganization of the army into to this broader fight between do we accept change or do we fight it, to me, seems to be a missing element of his analysis that would have made his factual story much, much richer and also would have cast some light on what we're going through today. I'm just sad that Professor Ike didn't give us a little bit more uh, from his perspective on that because it would have been fascinating to read. Was he yay or nay? So he was pro Stimson, and there okay. are many people who admire Stimson as a secretary of war. And I'm a little bit harder on Stimson. I think that he and, and Wood pushed too hard. And so they had this huge blowback that really kind of hurt the army because they had pushed too hard. But Ike says that, hey, you know, Stimson was effective. So in that sense, you know, I think that he has a pretty good case to be made. You know, when he talks about the reserve, Congressman James Hay of Virginia was one of the leading opponents in all three of these efforts. And he talks about Hayes' opinion about how long a enlistment should be for, you know, private soldiers, as if that was really the issue. The part of the story he told, he told well. He, I just don't think he told all the story or the most interesting bits. We definitely appreciate you giving us your thoughts on it. I really enjoyed this. I want to thank you for your time. Fantastic. All right. Well, hey, thanks for your time, Stephanie. This has been a lot of fun. 